All right, John 1. John 1, we're going to be looking at uh, really just three verses. Uh, our, our theme for Christmas is the light has come. And we are looking at John chapter 1. And we get this title of this theme from verse 4 of John chapter 1, where it tells us that in him, speaking of Jesus Christ, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. That life, Jesus Christ, the child in the manger would grow and become a light to all men and women, to all mankind. And we discovered last week that you can try and block out the light so you can sleep past noon, but the light wins out. The light wins out. And, and Derek, I still have that picture imprinted on my mind. In fact, I, you know, if we can get it back up there of Derek uh, during his uh, school days in college trying to block out the light and, and the light of the curtains uh, could not even keep it away. That the light wins. The light wins. And today we're going to look at just really three verses, six, seven, and eight. And the title I've given it is Bearing Witness to the Light. Bearing Witness to the Light. Uh, let's read our portion of Scripture, but I want to start with verse 1, and I'm only going to read from 1 to verse 8, through verse 8, because I want you to notice with me the contrast, the tone, the focus of 1 through 5, and then Detect the stark change that happens in verse 6. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. And then verse 6. There was a man. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came witness to bear witness to the light. Let's pray. Father, uh, we want to do a spiritual work here. We want uh, your Holy Spirit to be stirring, to be prodding. God, that you in greater measure will reveal yourself to us so we can walk more fully in this light. We give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen. To bear witness to the light, which is the theme, it demands two things from us. Probably many more, but from this passage, to bear witness to the light, it demands two things. One is that you take care of your business. Your business, personal business, not the person next to you, not the person at the office, not the hard to get along with. You take care of your business. To bear witness to the light, you have to take care of your business. And the second one that we're going to see, particularly from this passage, to bear witness to the light demands embracing the role that you have with the light. Or the relationship you have with the light. That's what we're going to see from John the Baptist. The role that he had with the light. So first one, you know, bearing a witness to like take, take care of your business. Connie and I, when we came back, you know, this whole idea of taking this three-month leave is really your fault. 
you gave me a sabbatical years ago, and uh, we went, and I, I realized that, you know, Jan, granted, it was only three weeks, but I realized, you know, when I get away, I can kind of decompress and, and kind of become more relaxed, and I don't have to have everything in a tight little box uh, with an incredible schedule. So we're going to be taking this three-month leave. We're expanding, so not just three weeks. We're going to try taking three weeks and now doing this for three months. Uh, so it's going to be a spiritual exercise for me. And again, we call it a leave because I told the elders and past, I don't want any strings attached. Sabbatical, you know, there's expectations at church. You're going to bring something back. No expectations. <laughs> okay. My wife has a lot of expectations. Okay, so when we, it may have been as many as seven years ago, we took a sabbatical and coming back from one of our little uh, uh, smaller, shorter road trips after a time, uh, we were traveling through the northeast corner of California and we stopped by the Lava Caves National Park. Didn't even know they existed there. Lava Caves National Park. And on a bright summer day, in July, when we were coming back, we went down the steps into this self-guided hike into the caves. And as we were progressing, I noticed our flashlight started getting dimmer and dimmer. I began to get panicky. I clung to Connie's arm, staying close because of my difficulty seeing. She seemed to be less panicked than I, apparently able to see a little bit better than I. I could tell from the shadowy outlines and the dim lights there were others in the cave. I imagine to others in the cave, I probably looked like a, a toddler clinging to his mother because he was afraid of the dark. Other than my size, a little bit bigger than a toddler, of course. Uh, at least that's how I felt, whether I appeared that way to others, if they could even see me. And, and, and then it got so bad, I told Connie, hey, our flashlight is going out. We need to find our way back to the opening in the cave. We need to get out of here. <laughs> I almost felt that surge of panic coming back. <laughs> I saw some folks up ahead just vaguely, you know, in, in that dim, uh, dimness because there's no, no lights other than what you carry in there yourself. And, and I said, hey, Connie, let's catch up with them and stay close to them. It looks like they are heading out, and, and we can get out that way. Well, we got out. We got back to our vehicle, and my, was I greatly relieved. Before driving away, I reached for my snap-on sunshades to put on my glasses and discovered... <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you wrecked it. I haven't even got to the punchline. <laughs> they, were, they weren't in my case the whole time. Uh, the whole time. I'm in the cave. I was in the utter depths of darkness with sunshades on, <laughs> making the darkness darker than it really was. I compounded the problem of darkness. 
Now, here is what I learned that I want you to learn. So take notes here. Don't wear sunglasses in caves. <laughs> okay, let's pray. <laughs> no, no, this is a parable. I, it's a true story. It's a true, true story. In fact, Connie's back there. She went, well, never mind. We won't. She probably had a laugh knowing I had the sunglasses on and, and, and no, no. She didn't know either, but anyway. Caves are dark, and when you wear sunglasses into caves, it appears all the darker. The cause of my panic in the darkness was not the batteries in my flashlight losing power, nor was it my eyesight, but it was my failure to realize that I had shades on that was distorting the actual darkness. I made it worse. Now, I want to use this story, this true story, really as a parable, which is where you take something earthly that we can relate to and extract a spiritual meaning from it. And that is, to some degree, we all wear sunglasses in life. We view life through our own unmet emotional needs that often make darkness, which is real, darker. Darker than it needs to be. And here's our challenge, because we're all wearing these sunglasses that tend to make darkness darker. Find resolution and satisfaction to your emotional neediness in Jesus Christ. You will discover light in darkness that you never knew existed before. The goal for the follower of Jesus Christ is not the elimination of darkness, but seeing light in darkness. You know, I thought there for a while I would be Superman and run faster than a locomotive, jump tall buildings with a single bound, fly faster than a speeding bullet, and rid the world of evil. But that only led to, uh, that role only led to depression. I suggest make your goal to not compound the darkness by your own personal stuff. Don't make dark darker. The battle to eliminate darkness in this world is waged by forces that are far above your pay grade. Your challenge is to see light in darkness. To bear witness to the light demands that you take care of that business baggage sometimes we call that you carry with you that tends to distort, darken the world, darken relationships. Discover the unhealthy ways that you've tried to have these needs met. Wean yourself off of them and look to Jesus Christ. So that was the first one, bearing witness to light demands that we take care of our business that only you can do. If you do not take care of personal business, you really don't have a, a chance at entering into the role or relationship that you have with the light because you will resent the light. But after you start that process of beginning with your personal stuff, you can start embracing and, and welcoming in 
your relationship and your role with the light. Let's look at John the Baptist that we see here in these uh, verses 6, 7, and 8. Bearing witness to the light demands that you understand your role with it. His role that we see is our role. So let's look at two aspects of the role that John the Baptist had with light. And you ask, are you willing to invite those in to embrace them as yours as well? John the Baptist recognized two things. One, he was a witness to the light. And he also recognized he was not the light. John is a witness to the light. His legacy, his purpose, his being, everything pulsated through his fibers was this understanding that he was a witness to Jesus Christ. Again, we're talking about light metaphorically. The, the person, Jesus Christ, was light in that he showed us how to be reconciled with God the Father and how to live as followers of his. His role, his calling that uh, John the Baptist had here gave him his purpose, his satisfaction. Some folks believe he was misnamed. This is John the Baptist. Some believe he was misnamed. It would be more accurate to call him John the Witness because it was so etched into the fiber of his being. He was so committed to it that it eventually cost him his life. Sometimes I break into a little dialogue like I'm going to do now uh, um, where maybe I'm talking to John the Baptist, so I just mentioned that not to confuse you. Hey, John the Baptist, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? A witness to Jesus Christ? No, 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 no. Don't, don't you want to be a political leader, a tax gatherer, a shepherd, a, a pastor? A, um, something important? Oh, you know, those roles are important. There's no doubt about it. They are valuable, and they would be fun. But no matter what I do to, you know, gain an income, my identity, the essence of who I am is anchored in the role of being a witness to the light, Jesus Christ. He's laser-focused there. Uh, being a witness to Jesus Christ, I'm imagining uh, John the Baptist is responding here, being a witness to Jesus Christ goes with me when I can't work anymore. Being a witness to Jesus Christ, even by world standards, say that you're no longer productive. You're going on a three-month leave. You're going to do nothing and I can proudly, with all the spiritual fiber in my body, say, I'm going to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Yeah, half joking, you guys know me. But, but the reality of it, see, that's the reality of it. We don't have these categories where, okay, I'm no longer a witness. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, it's so, that's when we talk about gospel fluency, you know, that's what we're talking about, where, where Scripture becomes so integrated within our being, we're not even conscious of it, and, and it just oozes out as it comes forth. Whether you're here in Dallas, Oregon, 
or whether by the poolside in Phoenix, Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) Or, or, this is for Connie, or uh, somewhere out in the remote stretches of the desert, and I'm bored stiff while she's looking for rocks. (laughs) And I'm having a hard time being patient. I will remember, Ed, you're a witness of Jesus Christ. You can remind me of that twice. <laughs> okay. See, and that's where we jokingly say, hey, when are you going to retire, Ed? When are you going to retire? And I understand what we mean because we're thinking occupationally. We're thinking a uh, world system. But we never retire as witnesses of Jesus Christ. We never retire. Verse 6. Here's a stark contrast. See, in the first five verses is Jesus Christ, the incarnate, uh, God himself, the first five verses, a non-created being is, comes to earth. And then we come to that stark contrast. Some people feel like, man, I don't understand this author. And the author here is John the Apostle, not John the Baptist. Different John, but some people look at this and they go, oh, yeah, it's so disjointed here. He seems to be jumping all around after the first five verses of, of the deity, and then he comes to, there was a man. Humans bear witness to Christ with words, is the means by which everyone will come to faith. Human witnesses to Jesus Christ are not just important, but they are essential is what it's telling us here. You understanding your role as a witness of Jesus Christ is essential, mission critical. If the church is going to accomplish its mission of going into the world and making disciples. John the Baptist's driving ambition in life was to be a witness. Anytime, anywhere even at great personal cost. This is what Scripture tells us, that God sends. God sent. Look at that next word there. Uh, verse 6 again, John 1, 6. There was a man sent from God. We often rehearse the great commission where it says, go into all the world. We rehearse that Jesus Christ sends his son. We need to actively realize that, like I jokingly said, whether I am in Phoenix, whether I'm in Dallas, whether I'm in the supermarket, whether I'm here at church, I'm a witness to Jesus Christ. Not in a way that's um, heavy-handed, but really great joy. That's John's driving ambition. He understands and he takes great um, honor in this role of being sent. In the same way you're sent, and you are a witness. You are mission critical. Look at this uh, quote I I like from John Piper. I think sums up this. uh, The word and the life and the light are coming into the world, but they are not going to conquer this darkness the way a bolt of lightning brightens the night. So in other words, again, because I know it's kind of small. Well, I guess you could probably read it. Uh, um, It's not going to come in like maybe we want, maybe our preconceived idea that, you know, if I was God, that's what I'd do, a bolt of lightning that's just earth-shattering and and 
rocks everybody's um, mind. They're going to conquer it by lighting millions of cold, dead human torches with the oxygen of the gospel and mysteriously spontaneous combustion of the new birth. The gospel will come through human witnesses. See, it's not about a light show. It's about a change of a human heart that involves attitudes and wills, decisions. It's very personal. He has showed human witnesses. You, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, again, I'm, I'm talking to God here in this little dialogue. Uh, uh, God, God um, I don't want to armchair quarterback yeah, or second guess, but if you're serious about saving the world, that's not a good plan. To do it through human witnesses? Now, I know myself, and I live with a few other humans down here on this earth, and I think they would agree with me that we are not the best witnesses. And I assume God would say, so true, so true, but don't forget, don't forget, you are a witness. You're not the light. Your witness shines brightest in your weakness. Your light shines brightest often in your failures. It's in your weakness, that self. Don't let it compound the darkness. Let it reflect the light of Christ. Are you willing to think less about self and allow God to use even your weaknesses, even your failure to be a witness to Christ and your dependence upon Christ? Sometimes we discount our witness because we think we must be eloquent and smart when in fact sometimes our talents and skills gets in the way of our witness. In fact, often our strengths provide the most obstruction to reflect Christ. That famous verse, 1 Corinthians 13, that we often rehearse, if I speak in tongues of men of angels and have not love, I'm only a ringing gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, move mountains but not love, I'm nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and exalt um, and have not love, I gain nothing. Our role is to be a witness, to reflect. I like the word reflect, to reflect the light. Uh, the second thing that John realizes here uh, about uh, his, his relationship with the light, what his role is, he's not the light. He's not the light. Look at verse 7, and I listed these even on an overhead because of the frequency. He's going out of his way in this transitional verses. He's going out of his way to try and make a point here. Verse 6, he starts out by saying, um, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness. He's only a witness. He's not the real thing. He's only a witness. He's here to bear light. And then look at verse 8. If it's not clear enough already that he's only a witness, he's really not the light, look at verse 8. He was not the light. Do you get it yet? He's not the light. Stop it. Stop trying to make him the light. 
Start, stop trying to prop him up to be the Messiah or, or something that you emotionally you need from him. He's not the, the light. He's not the replacement for Jesus Christ. Verse 19, jump all the way down to 19. The, just see the re repetitiveness of this. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. I am not the Christ. It tells us he confessed this freely. Why such the effort to make this point? Apparently, it's pretty important that somewhere within our humanity and our weakness and, and our uh, um, uh, fallibility is this desire to be something other than that what we are. To be bigger or better than we are. To draw attention to self is so embedded uh, within us. And we want that in other people. We want to prop people up and look to them as though they are the light. Folks, they're human. Just like you. Just like you. See, John relishes and understands this, and so he can boldly proclaim that, hey, I'm only a witness. I'm not the light. And he can say that with great joy and freedom because he is so focused on Jesus Christ. He sees a Jesus Christ so clearly from Scripture uh, uh, that, that's accurately portrayed in Scripture Often our views are so distorted and twisted by various perceptions that we get from all over the place. Some of the uh, um, perceptions we have of Christ certainly would not be worthy to draw attention away from self and put it on the Christ that maybe you have in your mind. John the Baptist has an elevated view, a supreme view of, of Jesus Christ that makes it easy for him to relish these roles that he has to be the witness to the light and to be clear that he's not the light for the sake of pointing to the brilliant Jesus Christ. It's in John saying no, that he's not the Christ. It's really a commentary on the Christ that he's worshiping. He does not need that for himself because he finds his fulfillment in Christ. You are a witness. I'm a witness. You're not the light. I'm not the light. Don't expect that of people around you as though they are the light. They are witnesses. We want to reflect Christ well. We do that in weakness. We do that when we fail to confess, repent. Because even in that, we reflect the brilliance of Jesus Christ because he has forgiven you as well. When I got back into my vehicle after walking in the cave, I realized the problem I had with darkness. It had nothing to do with my flashlight or batteries. My problem, I compounded darkness making it harder than it needed to have been. Darkness is a part of this world. 
We got to accept that. We don't have to make it harder, though, than it is. And we can cultivate a relationship with Christ that allows us to see light in darkness when we did not know light ever existed. Does your personal business keep you from seeing Christ? Does your personal business keep you from engaging in the role of being a witness of Christ? John the Baptist's attitude really impresses me. But if that is where I stopped, it would be doing a dis disservice to his life. Because as I mentioned, he proclaimed himself only as a witness, wanting people to see Jesus Christ. That is what ministry and staff here at Faith are about. Less about programs and people, even though those are important and valuable, but sometimes even good things get in the way of something greater. And so we want to be clear that we are pointing people to Jesus Christ. Each Sunday you come, you will hear Jesus Christ proclaimed and preached, keeping in concert with this example of John the Baptist and how he kept Jesus Christ front and center each and every time. Never tire hearing Jesus Christ preached because usually in preaching and teaching Jesus Christ, usually it's not about breadth of knowledge. Breadth of knowledge. It's about depth of knowledge. What is often lacking is a depth of understanding and knowledge about Jesus Christ and how his light, his life, wants to enter into the deeper layers of your life. John the Baptist you know, came on the scene after about 400 years of silence by the prophets. People were wondering, when's the Messiah, the rescuer? There was a great sense that people, the Jews and Gentiles, both were isolated or, or um, uh, separated from God. And they were asking, well, when is this Messiah going to come? And then all of a sudden, John the Baptist is out in the wilderness preaching that the time has come. Make way. Make the way straight for the Lord. People knew they were separated from God, needing to be made right. Uh, what about you? Do you have a sense that you are a created being and separated from the creator? Increasingly, we're excited that, we're, you know, in the host of folks who come in here to Faith Church, uh, not all are believers, and we're glad you're here. There's a curiosity. There is a, a wanting to consider this person, Jesus Christ, that you hear each and every Sunday put forth as the answer to your separation from God and that upon receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can be made right with God. He can make a difference and give you a different alternative in how you try to deal with your own personal business rather than doing it the old way. You can learn about surrender and giving it to Christ? Or does your personal business keep you from God? Does your personal business keep you from considering Jesus Christ? That personal business may mean this incredible desire for independence, a real stubbornness that I'm not going to submit to any authority, even a loving, benevolent, heavenly father. 
Scripture calls us to humble ourselves. Call on the name of the Lord and be saved. You know, if you're here this morning, you know, you haven't responded to Jesus Christ, call on the name of the Lord. In the back, I have equipped our connection center with books called More Than a Carpenter. Uh, be a great book for you to pick up, to read. Uh, let me know, let them know at the connection center. Any pastor or staff member would be glad to sit down and to just provide a place for you to ask questions, for you to consider a relationship with this person that we're putting front and center. Jesus Christ. Join me in prayer. Father, my oh my, how do we often uh, get in the way of Jesus Christ? So God, whether a person's been here a Christian for 50 years or not even quite a, a Christian, I think what Pastor Derek said last week, we can all benefit from growing in our capacity to see Jesus Christ more fully. Scripture says we see through a glass darkly. So, Lord, help us identify if we do have sunglasses on in cave, that we would be willing to grow towards taking them off so that even in darkness, when things don't go the way we want, when bad things happen to us maliciously, even amongst the darkest, we can see light. Even then, we can reflect Jesus Christ. Thank you. Amen.